G'day, g'day! Welcome to Game Day with Gabe. I'm your host, Gabe the Babe, and you're about to get an insight to the college football world. And if you like these episodes, please subscribe to keep Gabe the Babe going. Go Kooks! What's up, Kooks fans? Welcome back to Game Day with Gabe. In this episode, I'm going to be covering three different things. Number one, news from the NFL Draft. Number two, the NBA All-Star Game, and number three, my take from the BYU-Baylor game. It was a great win. I love that game. Big time win by the Cougs. Shout out to them. Getting it done. Start things off. Let's jump into the NFL Draft. The NFL Draft takes place in April, and it's a series of 260 picks over the course of three days. So there's a lot to cover there, but I'm just going to talk about the top nine players that I see. And we're moving to that stage where NFL teams are scouting out uh, the college football best players that have the most talent, the athleticism, that have smart, like smart gameplay, they have good film. And that's what scouts are looking for in the NFL to get the right guys on their teams. So the high picks and the big names right now to the people being drafted are number one, Caleb Williams, a quarterback from USC, Heisman winner last year. Number two, Jaden Daniels, current Heisman winner, quarterback from LSU. Very athletic, very fast. Number three, Drake May. Smart, accurate, really good arm. It's Drake May. He's a quarterback from North Carolina. Number four, Marvin Harrison Jr., a wide receiver from Ohio State. Great hands. His dad was an NFL player, and he's got crazy talent. Number five, Malik Neighbors, a wide receiver from LSU. So Jaden Daniels and Malik Neighbors had a one-two punch this last season. And number six, Romo Dunze, wide receiver from Washington. Number seven, Joe Alt, first offensive lineman. He's from Notre Dame. And then number eight and nine are two edge rushers, Dallas Turner from Alabama and Laetu Latu from UCLA. So those are the names you should look out for in the NFL draft, still two months away. But just giving you a heads up, that's what's going to happen. Now let's move on to basketball. In the NBA All-Star Game, the All-Star Game is where the best players, the best of the best in the NBA come together and they have teams on the East and teams on the West of about 10 each. So there's about 20 guys, 20 best players in the NBA go at it. The catch is no one plays defense because there's no incentive for playing well. There's really no point. So what they do, they just play a bunch of offense. They shoot, they don't, they pass. They have, like, cool plays, really cool basketball plays, but no defense. So naturally, they end up scoring a bunch of points. Like, we're talking 397 total points scored by both teams. Almost 400. So ridiculous. The East had 211 of those points. The West had 186. So I feel like to make things more competitive, they should make the winner of the East and West NBA All-Star Game have the home court advantage in the NBA Finals. Basically, the NBA Finals come into play at the end of the season when there's one team from the East left and one team from the West. The winner of the All-Star Game determines who plays the East. Like, if the East win and the Heat are from the East and they're playing the Warriors from the West, for example, then the Heat would get the home court advantage. They'd get to play seven, uh, let's see, they play four out of the seven games at home. And so it'd be big if they could do that to the All-Star game. It'd make the players really want to try. It'd be good. 
But right now, it's just fun watching them goof around. Like, some of the players, Damian Lillard, shot a half court and made it. Casual swoosh. He went 11 for 23 on threes. He had 39 points. He was also the three-point contest champion and the All-Star Game MVP. There was also Carl Anthony Towns, who had a 50-point game. He had 23 points in the fourth quarter. And then there was Steph Curry, who always has a great game. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown had a 30-plus point game. So a bunch of guys played, played. They kind of tried. Some of them just don't try as much, like Jokic, Doncic, LeBron. They don't try as much because there's no incentive. So that's what I that's what my take is. If they just changed it so that the winner gets the home court advantage in the NBA Finals, it would make them want to play. Moving on to college basketball, there were some wild games recently. Absolutely wild. Number two, Purdue, was upset by unranked Ohio State. And Ohio State was playing with an interim head coach, which means their head coach was absent and they had a they had a basically a substitute as their head coach. And they won, 73-69. to They won with an interim head coach. It's very rare that you do that. Against number two Purdue, what an upset in the Big Ten. UConn, a unanimous number one in the AP poll for the first time this season, which means all the voters in the AP poll, which determined the rankings, all voted for UConn to be the number one seed. And guess what UConn did to celebrate? They blew it and they lost at Creighton by 19 points. So, basically, when you go on the road at any team, you're probably going to lose, even if you're the number one seed. That's why in March Madness, I'm not going to take any of the high seats, because I know they're easily going to lose. It's anyone's game. I would be comfortable picking a 5-6 seed, maybe even a 7 seed, to go all the way and cut down the nets in March Madness. Because it's anyone's game this year. That's what's so exciting. BYU could have a chance to go to the Elite Eight if we shot lights out. That would be so exciting. All of the Cougars are doing so well. We had a big-time win against Baylor. Number 11 Baylor came to Provo on Tuesday night, and we got them. Go, mighty Cougars. Big-time win. Clutch. It was a fun environment. It was a big win at the Marriott Center. BYU got Baylor. So Baylor was ranked number 11 coming into this game. We were uh, 0-1 this season against Baylor, and this game brought us to 1-1. Our key performers that led us to this victory were Ali Khalifa, center. He had seven assists, he also had 14 points, and he had four three-pointers. What a game by Khalifa, he helped us get so many points on offense. Trevin Nell had a few threes as well. Jackson Robinson had many threes and many twos, he was a great offense offensive player. And the team pitched in with 14 three-pointers. When we shoot lights out, there's no one that can stop us. Also, Dallin Hall pitched in and Johnson pitched in. We had all her, our whole team shooting well, playing well, communicating. We just needed to fix our defense because our defense let Baylor attack so well. And part of that is because Baylor is such an athletic team and they just score very easily. They're very tough to beat, especially when you play them on the road. But when you play at the Marriott Center at home, it's tough to beat BYU. And that's why I love having a home court advantage. We are excelling. Right now, we're sitting at 7-6 and six in the Big 12. Number seven. So we're about in the in the uh, mid majors programs. That's and we're basically a lock for the tournament if we can keep on playing at this rate. At this rate, we'll finish nine and nine, and that would be a success. Finishing five hundred, which means split all the games, 
that would be a great success in the Big 12, considering our strength of schedule and our opponents. That would also set us up for a run in the Big 12 tournament and March Madness, most importantly. We're playing against the best players in the country, and it's cool, lit, outstanding, whatever you want. BYU is doing it this year, and this year is special. We're excelling. The now-ranked number 6 Iowa State. Earlier in the season, we beat them 87-72 at home. Now Iowa State's ranked number 6. We're still going to have to play them on the road. Iowa State has not lost at home all year. So that's going to be a tough environment playing at the Hilton Coliseum. So BYU's next six games after playing Baylor, we're going to play Baylor at home. Then we're going to play at Kansas State. We're going to play at Kansas. So we'll do a little Kansas action there. Then we're going to host TCU. Then play at Iowa State and play against Oklahoma State at home. So we just have five more games to finish it out. I think the way that we can get 9-9 nine and nine in this schedule is if we split Baylor-Kansas State. We've already won against Baylor, so it would be okay to lose to Kansas State. But if we could get a win, that would be amazing. And then if we split Kansas-TCU, go 1-1 one and one in that game, probably lose to Kansas and beat TCU, that would be awesome. And then split Iowa State-Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's our last game. That's a winnable game. Iowa State is less winnable, much less winnable. So I think that way we can get 9-9 nine and nine and a decent seed, like a 7 seed, 6 seed in the Big 12 tournament. Depending on how we fare, we could be 5 or 6 in the NCAA tournament and then playing in Salt Lake City for the first round and second round of the NCAA tournament, March Madness. So that would get us in. It'd be so lit. Anything less, like going 8 and eight and 10, will probably get us a 7-9 seed in March Madness which is still good, but not as good as a 5 or a 6. Houston at Baylor is on Saturday. That's going to be a big game. Number 11, Baylor, hosting number 2, Houston. What a matchup. Major conferences in college basketball that I'd like to talk about for a little bit. The Big 12, the ACC, the SEC, the Big East, and the Big 10. Now, I've spoken a lot about the Big 12 in all of my podcasts, so here I'm going to speak about each of the four other conferences that you should concern about that you should know about for my podcast. The ACC, Big East, SEC, and Big 10. The ACC news from this year. They have North Carolina and Duke once again at the top spearheading their program. UNC or Duke are prominent programs. Blue Bloods, which means they've always been a great college basketball program with great recruiting, great talent, coaching staff, facilities, etc. They're doing great this year. Big East has Villanova, UConn, Marquette. And Villanova and UConn have both won recent titles. Marquette is up there competing for it. And, and they've also got Creighton. Creighton just beat UConn at home. So they've got some good programs in the Big East competing this year. Keep an eye out for them, but also in the SEC. Don't forget about the SEC. They have a lot of dangerous programs that can make some noise. Alabama. Texas A&M, Tennessee, Auburn, and Kentucky are some notable names that are having success this year. The concern I have with the SEC is that they're a little bit unreliable and inconsistent. But teams from the Big 12 are a little more reliable. That's not to say the SEC team can't win March Madness this year. It could absolutely happen. From any of these conferences, one of these teams could cut down the nets. Or maybe it's one of those uh, smaller conferences. Like from last year, San Diego State was from the Mountain West. They made it all the way to the championship. They could have won. 
So it's possible that a smaller program from a smaller conference can win a national championship. San Diego State showed that last year, and they were a five seed. Bonkers. And lastly, but not least, from the Big Ten, the Indiana Hoosiers are one of the notable names, not from recent success, but from classic history, from a historical standpoint, that basketball is life for them. It's life. There's a movie called Hoosiers. It's a movie about the Indiana college basketball team getting a bunch of new players, a new coach, and winning a champ- uh, winning a title. So that's a great movie. You should watch the Indiana Hoosiers are a big team in the Big Ten. But Purdue is spearheading the Big Ten this year. They are number one, and there's a lot of hope for them. Northwestern also has their plans. They've been giving Purdue men- many runs for their money, and Purdue's not very safe around Northwestern. Northwestern could legitimately make a run at March Madness this year and win it. Let's talk a little more about the Big 12. The Big 12 has some historical um, college basketball home arenas. Like Kansas has the Allen Fieldhouse, and Houston has the Rivka Center. I can't remember the name. Um, big home court advantage. The te- Texas has the Moody Center. Who else is there? Texas Tech has United Super- Supermarkets Arena. Iowa State has the Hilton Coliseum. And BYU has one of the best ones. It's up there. It's the Marriott Center. And the Marriott Center is special. So the Jalen Bridges, a guard from Baylor, said that the Marriott Center is right up there with Kansas and Iowa State in terms of the environment and the play and the home court advantage um, in the Big 12. Like BYU is right up there with the Marriott Center. With the Rock, the, the cheerleaders, Cosmo, our little uh, fourth quarter, four minutes left TV timeout that we do a big, we pull out the drums, we pull out the hype video, we get the student sectional into it, we play loud music. It's just one of the best arenas to be in, in all of college basketball. And the Marriott Center's up there. Some other news, let's talk BYU-Baylor. That was just a, such a good game. It was all because of Ali Khalifa. His antics in this game led us to the win. We bounced back, too. We were down multiple points. It was tied in the 50s at some points in this game. And 6th place BYU, 6th now 7th, used to be 7th, now it's 6th. We're continuing to surprise these teams. Some people did not predict us to win, but I knew we had it in the bag. If BYU can play any team at home, we could beat Houston, we could beat Iowa State, we could beat Kansas, we can beat any team in the Big 12 at home, just not necessarily on the road. It's a completely different ballgame. Like when we play Kansas State this Saturday, I'm not sure we're going to win because they have the home court advantage. I love the Marriott Center. It was an amazing arena. Last night's win at the Marriott Center, 78-71, marks the first time in the regular season that BYU has ever beaten three different ranked teams. That's so awesome. Go Cougs! San Diego State and Iowa State were the other two that we've beat. Both at home, both big wins, and now we also have, <clears throat> we also have a crack at number four Kansas. Sorry, number nine Kansas, number four Kansas in the Big Twelve rankings, and we're gonna play them on Tuesday next week. So that's gonna be a f- a fourth possible ranked opponent win this season. That would be amazing if we could go into Kansas, into Allen Fieldhouse, where Kansas has not lost all year. Maybe maybe it's a trap game for Kansas. Who knows. Maybe BYU could go in there, shoot lights out, 
and play lockdown D, just like we played against Texas. Kansas State, we played pretty good D. Texas, we played pretty good D. We played against Baylor, we played amazing D. So if we can play defense and shoot lights out, we have a chance at beating Kansas. But they have a few guys. To name names, Hunter Dickinson, their center, big guy. He's going to body us and score a lot of points down low and draw many fouls. At point guard, they have Dijon Harris Jr. He's smart, efficient, great passes. He can shoot as well. They have Kevin McCullough Jr. He's a small forward who knows how to score, and he can shoot. They have KJ Adams Jr. He's a power forward, big, athletic dude that can dunk. He can out-rebound anyone. He's big. So it's going to be tough playing Kansas and Kansas State on the road. But I think we can stand a chance. If we could go 1-1 one one in these next two games, or like 1-2 in the next three games, I'd take it. Because TCU is also a big physical team. Led by Miller, number two, their power forward. They're going to be a physical, dangerous team. Very fast. They can run us, uh, we can run us around. Man, it's going to be a fun one, though. That Baylor game. Baylor came into the game as the number one three-point shooting in the nation, shooting 41%. Now, BYU holds records for most attempted and most made in the game. But their percentage, like efficiency, is 41%. So, so good. Ours is like 30 to 35. So, considering that they're the top offense in the Big 12, BYU held them 5 to 20, which is 25% in this game from three. So, great job to the players and to the coaching staff for that defense in, cons- in comparison to the game against Oklahoma State where we let up 93 points. We only gave up 71 against the number one offense in the Big 12. And they have a, a true freshman. He's a power forward. They have, what's his name? Missy, I think. He's a beast. He's unstoppable down low. He was, man, they were so athletic. Every one of those players can jump out of the gym. Crazy athletic. So I'm so happy we got this win. Big win by the Cougs. It puts us into talks for like the March Madness' high seeds. So hyped. And uh, losing six in a row to end the season would put BYU out. Good thing we didn't lose six in a row. Starting off again, a win against Baylor is going to be a great start. Let's keep it up, Cougs. And then finish it up at 9-9 nine and nine would be amazing. And a win at Kansas State would be awesome. It would probably lock, like actual lock us in for the NCAA tournament, no matter how else the rest of the season plays out. Because that would put us at 8 and if the worst-case scenario happens after we beat Kansas State, we'd be 8-10, and 10, losing the first round to the Big 12 tournament. We'd still be like a, a 10 seed in March Madness. We'd still be in. So a lock would be like winning against Kansas State or Kansas, maybe TCU or um, Iowa State. Who knows? We just got to get a big win again. Jackson Robinson and Trevin Nell and Noah Waterman and Ali Khalifa and Foos and Dallin Hall, and Spencer Johnson, and Richie Saunders. Those are our guys. And you can't leave any one of them out because BYU plays as a team. And that's how we roll. Without one of our guys, it just doesn't click as well. In the game against Texas Tech, for example, it was a few months ago. Um, we had a few guys injured, and that affected our rotation. We weren't playing as well on defense. We weren't playing as well on offense. That's because our rotation got messed up. Our team likes to play together in unison. When we do that, like we did against Baylor, like we've done against Iowa State, like we've done against Texas, 
like we've done against Houston, even though we lost that game, we tend to win. And when we win, that's really big for the program. And it creates good recruiting, great good future. It creates a lot of good things for the program if we can keep on playing as a team. So kudos to Mark Pope, the BYU staff, the Rock, Roar of the Cougars, Marriott Center, and the BYU basketball players for putting up such an amazing year in the Big 12. Let's get it. Go Cougs! So, Gabe's game this week. It's going to be BYU playing at Kansas State on Saturday, but there's one major big game. Major big game. It's Houston at Baylor. This is going to be massive, massive game. Number two against number 11. You have to check it out. It'll be 10 a.m. Mountain Time. Houston's a big team, but going on the road against a ranked opponent, they're not going to be favored. Baylor's going to be playing angry after a loss to BYU. So I would recommend checking that out and checking out the BYU game. Those will be Gabe's game, everybody. Thanks for listening to this podcast. As always, if you enjoyed it, please make sure to share with a fellow avid Cougs fan. Let's keep Gabe the Babe going and support Gabe and Dave with Gabe. If you want, you can even add a donation to this podcast. Let's go Cougs! Thank you.